17th chapter. And we'll begin our reading here. Uh, let, let's start at verse number one of John chapter 17. Uh, and we started out last Sunday talking about this subject, God's working in me. Everybody say, God is working in me. Say, I want him to work in me, not on me. Amen. And there is a difference. God's plan is to work in us, not work on us. Because life transformation, hear me very carefully, true life transformation, true change is an inside out job. Can I get a witness? It is an inside out job, not an outside in job. Many of us grew up in a culture and a mindset of, of being worked on so that we can get things right in our lives. When God is saying, I need you to invite me in, and not only after you invite me in, I need you to allow me to have a preeminent place, Brother Mike, in, in your life. I need you to allow me to have first place and first authority in your life. And when you do that, then I can begin, God says, to work in you. Can I get a witness? Everybody say, work in me, God. So God is working in me. He's working in me. So we, go, we come to this passage of scripture, which Jesus uh, is now uh, praying and he's preparing uh, to, to, to culminate his mission here on earth. And so as he's seeking to culminate his mission here on earth, he begins to intercede on behalf of all of those who, uh, who belong to him. He begins to intercede to God the Father on behalf of his disciples at that time and all of those who would believe on his name as a result of the ministry and the testimony of those disciples, those original disciples that walked with him while he was here on earth. So he begins to pray for them. Look at what the text says in John chapter 17, verse number one. It says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. Everybody say everyone. It says he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. This is Jesus praying. Now understand, he's praying and he's interceding. He's praying to God the Father. Even though he was God wrapped in human flesh, he, had, it, 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 he was fully God, yet fully man, but in his distinct purpose here on earth, he prays to the Father in heaven. Don't miss that. If the master had to pray, what about you and I? If Jesus had to, 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 to pray to God the Father, what about you and I? In order for Jesus to accomplish his mission here on earth, he had to have some prayer time. And that prayer time had to be consistent. The Bible says pray without what? Ceasing. The Bible says man ought to always pray in what? Not faint. To faint means to give up or to lose heart or to lose hope. We have to have a prayer life. So let's keep reading. It says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Verse 4 says this, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. 
I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe that you sent me. Now this is Jesus talking to God the Father about those whom were in covenant relationship with him. Look at verse number nine. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. It's very interesting right here. Jesus says, my prayer is not for the world or those who are part of the world system, but my prayer, he says, is for those you've given me because they belong to you. Now catch that right quick, okay? Jesus is praying and interceding for those who belong to God. Can I get a witness? Now God loves all people. God loves mankind and he wants to have relationship with mankind, but God is not the father of everybody who's on earth. Are you listening to me today? See, because I have covenant relationship with God, I have some privileges who, that folk who are not saved don't have. One of the, one of the, one of the primaries and, and one of the best privileges that I have and you have if you're born again is that we have access to the throne room of God. See, there are folk in your family who are not saved and they can't get the key and get into the room. Now, now watch, watch this. My, my, my children, uh, uh, all, one of them is working today, Tony's working today, but, but Junior and Sandra, my, my children have access to my home. All of y'all don't have access to my home. I love you, but I ain't going to give you no key. And you probably are not going to give me a key. I hoped you would. I hoped you would trust your pastor. But some of y'all don't give him a key because you're like, if I come in your house, I'm going to roll up on something. <laughs> huh? I'm going to roll up on something you don't want me to see. So you want to know that I'm coming before I come to your house. Am I, am I, am I right about it? Come on now. So, but, but my children, because they are in covenant relationship with me and I am their father, they have access to my, to my house. Are y'all tracking with me? They have access. They, they, they can come to the house and lay on the couch. Hello? If I came to your house, I wouldn't just pull my shoes off and throw my feet up on your couch. I just, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. Now, you may say make yourself at home. And if I start making myself at home, really making myself at home. I mean, really making myself at home. Tori, you may tell Sean, Sean Pastor got to go. Are y'all listening to me? But, but when you have relationship, when you have, you, when you have covenant commitment, you have access. Everybody say access. So Jesus says, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. Verse 10, let's keep reading. It says this, watch this. It says what? All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me so they belong so, so, so they bring me glory. All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me so they bring me glory. Who's talking here, guys? Who's he talking to? God the Father. He says, all who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me. 
So they bring what? So they bring me glory. Who is me? Jesus is talking. So if you belong to God, if you are, uh, if, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you should be bringing what? Him glory. Look at verse number 11. Let's watch this. Watch this. So, so, so now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Let's keep going. We got to go. It says, during my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not, so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scripture foretold. He's talking about Judas right there. Now watch this. Next verse, three. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that so they would be filled with my joy. 14. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world. Now guys, let me, let me park here just for a second as we get into the meat of this text. On last week, we talked about the fact that it was, it was, we were coming up to Christmas and we said that we saw a very clear illustration of God working in Mary, the Virgin Mary, correct? God worked in her to produce the Messiah or to birth the Messiah into the earth realm. In order for God to do what he wanted to do in getting mankind back to himself, he had to do it through a human body. He had to be, he, he poured, poured out of himself and, 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 and impregnated the Virgin Mary. Do y'all remember that? The angel came to her and says, Mary, you're blessed among women. You are highly favored. And the angel says, you're going to have a child. And Mary immediately says, how can this be seeing that I do not know a man? How can this be seeing that I have not had sexual intercourse with anybody? And the angel said, and listen, your, your cousin Elizabeth, she got pregnant when she was past childbearing years. Ain't nothing too hard for God. I need to hear somebody here tell me out loud on purpose, ain't nothing too hard for my God. Glory be to God. See, when you know that there's nothing too hard for God, that the impossibilities in your life are possible because you have covenant with God, man, you're on the right track. So Mary, once she, she got a witness with her cousin Elizabeth, she said, be it unto me according to thy word. And at that point, she received the word into her heart. God is working what? In the Virgin Mary or work through or in the Virgin Mary, just like he wants to work in us. See, he can't work in us if we don't receive his word in our hearts. Not just our head, Brother Tyrone, we got to be in our hearts. Can I get a witness? So, so he says, I've given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Now, again, we, we began to say something. We said he, he worked in the Virgin Mary. Now, last week we said, how does God begin working in us? The first thing we said, and hopefully you still got your outline with you. First thing we said was, number one, Jesus intercedes for us. Everybody say, Jesus intercedes for us. He goes to God the Father on our behalf. Jesus could have remained on earth after his resurrection and continued his ministry in Galilee, but his plan was to work through those who believed in him to reach the world. His plan was to work through us, to work in us, 
who belong to him. He wants to use our hands. He wants to use our feet, amen, to reach people, amen, with his message. There's so many times, guys, that we, again, as I said before, sometimes it's out of ignorance, sometimes it's out of laziness, but there's a lot of stuff that God is giving for us to do. We sit back and try to send God there to do it. All right. Do y'all remember, you know, back I, I, and again, people, people were being sincere, but we would, we would sometimes people would pray, God, stop by the hospital and touch Sister Carolyn. No, you go by the hospital and pray for Sister Carolyn. You go, you go, you, you, God, we are his hands and his feet. Lord, bless that fountain with some food. Now, your refrigerator full, your freezer stocked up. You got stuff you throwing away every year because you don't even know what you got in there because it's so full. If you have it to give, James, I think it says, he said, what, do, what, what does it profit someone that you pray for them and they hunger? You say, pray, be filled, and then send them away, and you got food and don't give it to them. That doesn't benefit them at all, right? If it's in my power to do it, and then God releases me to do it, then let's do it. God wants to work in us. He wants to use our hands and our feet, amen, to do his will here in the earth realm. But even while that's happening, he is interceding for us. And this prayer here that, that makes up the crux of our message is Jesus interceding on our behalf. Amen. He's interceding for us. Go with me right quick, guys, uh, to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse number 15. Let's go to Hebrews 4 and 15 right quick. I thank God that I have a savior who is interceding for me. He intercedes. He goes to God the Father on our behalf. Now, notice what the text says. The text says, this high priest of ours, who is our high priest? Jesus Christ. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings that we do, Yet he did not sin. Can we read it again? This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. What, what is that, why is that important? Well, if I have a high priest, if I have someone who's going to the Father on my behalf, and he understands the things that I am going through because he went through the very same things, then he's more empathetic toward me. Come on now. If, 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 if you've been through, amen, what I'm going through, then you have a greater sense of what I'm going through. Not that you can't intercede for me if you haven't been through it, but if you've been through the same thing that I've been through, then you have a greater empathy because you understand how I feel. Uh, you know, uh, many of y'all here have maybe lost your mother or your dad, and, and I have, my, my mom and my dad are still here, so my, my, my frame of reference is a little bit different than yours uh, because my mom and dad are still living. And so, but somebody who's been through what you're going through has a greater emphasis. Don't mean that you can't, you can't intercede for them, but you can feel it a little bit deeper. Can I get a witness? If you ever had somebody walk off and leave you, Okay, okay, let's see, let's see. Let's see, can I make this plan? In your relationships, if you've ever had someone betray you, and then you have to try to minister to someone who's been betrayed, come on, 
you, 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 you have a greater sense of empathy toward that person. Can I get a witness? Because you can feel it a little bit deeper. Not, not that you can't minister to them if you haven't, but it just it gives you a little greater sense of what they're going through. Can I get a witness up in here? Our high priest, Jesus, every temptation, everybody say every temptation. Everything that we are tempted with, everything that we struggle with, and then Christ has been through that. Yet the Bible said he did not sin. So I got a high priest. I don't know about you, but I got a high priest who's sitting on the right hand of the Father who can make intercession for me, and he understands what I'm going through. Not that he, and I tell you, not that he excuses us when we, you know, willfully go and do stuff. I told you on last week, and I, I think I said it about, you know, one thing that God does is God gives us an opportunity to judge our own self. Right? The Bible says uh, we, ought to, we ought to judge it so that he don't have to judge it. So how, what, what does it mean to judge my own self? That means that I need to do some self-evaluation, look at my life and see what areas I'm coming up short in, what areas I'm, I'm, God is helping me work through and I'm strengthening, and I need to evaluate myself. Evaluate where I'm standing according to God's word, and then when I'm coming short, I need to, I need to do everything in my power to correct that area where I'm coming short in. Can I get it with it? That means I'm judging myself. I'm examining myself to see where I'm coming short so that God don't have to come in and deal with my stuff. How many of y'all have had God deal with your stuff before? I, I, need, I, need, I need a couple of witnesses. How many of y'all have had God deal with your stuff before? Because you wouldn't deal with it. How many of y'all have had God deal with your stuff because you wouldn't deal with it? You wouldn't take the time to evaluate how you really are. Because most of us, as the Bible says, think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Some of us think we got it going on and really don't have it going on. Some of us think that we really are, are, are in tune with God, but we're really not. Sometimes it's hard to see yourself. That's why it's good to have someone else in your life who can see you from a different perspective and tell you what they see. Don't ever be afraid to ask the question, what do you see? What's my strength? What are my weaknesses? Don't ever be afraid to ask that question. Most people are afraid. Because most people, as we, we, we discovered this in, in men's ministry yesterday, most people seek approval from others and don't handle criticism very well. Most people don't like to be told Amen. About their weaknesses. But we serve a God who knows all of our weaknesses and we have a high priest. Amen. Who's seated on the right hand of father who knows what we're going through because he went through everything that we're going through. And that makes him a sympathetic high priest. So Jesus, guys, is seated on the right hand of father. He is interceding for us. The second thing that we said was is how he works in, in, in us is God keeps us from the evil one. Is that right? Look at verse 15. It says this. Go, go back to John, the 17 chapter. we right quick. He keeps us from the evil one. How many of y'all know that we have a very real enemy? A very weird, real devil who is seeking to destroy us. Uh, I, again, I, I was sharing with a, a pastor friend of mine. He was sharing with me that a lot of times in his particular denomination, they don't talk a whole lot about spiritual warfare. They don't talk a whole lot about the devil. Don't talk about demonic spirits, which are a reality, guys. We serve a God, a man who's powerful, but we also have an enemy who has some power here in the earth realm. And 
he can he can overcome us if we allow him to. One of the, one of the one of the one of the one of the devil's most I I think more ingenious strategies is to get us to believe that he really don't exist, to get us to believe that that's just, that's just a little fairy tale that you that you read in the Bible and that the devil is not real. We serve a powerful God, but we we also have to fight a very real enemy that is the devil, Satan, beyond above himself. Watch what John seventeen and fifteen says. Are y'all there with me? Come on, let's read together. Come on, let's read. Says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from whom? So here we see Jesus interceding for us, saying, Father, I'm not asking you to remove them from the world, because I because guess what? God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. He wants to use all of us to carry his message to a lost and dying world. So if he removed us out of the world, who's going to preach? If he moved us out of the world, who's going to go and minister to those who need to know Jesus Christ? So he leaves us here, amen, to use us, to work in us, to prepare us to be his ambassadors. Can I get a witness? So he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. So, so God keeps us from the evil one, Satan and his demonic spirits who are constantly attacking our minds, uh, our thought processes to try to get us to, to think differently than what God wants us to think. Go to 2 Corinthians with me right quick. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, real quickly. Everybody say, God, working in me. He's working in me. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number three. Watch this, watch this. So the enemy specializes in trying to disrupt our thought life. Guys, that's why it's very important that you be careful what you allow to come into your ear gates and your eye gates. You got to be careful to, with the type of music that you listen to. Do y'all not realize, and, and, and there's still some of this going on today, but you remember back in the, in the, in the 90s and early 2000s and stuff, people were listening to rap music with, with violent lyrics and going out and just shooting people and and, 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 and that culture and that mindset begins to get ingrained inside of you to the point to where it can drive your behavior. I said music and songs can drive your behavior and affect your mood. All right, let, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all, when you were you, you and your wife or you were dating or whatever, and a, a love song comes on? Get, somebody give me one love song that you that, that's very familiar to you. Somebody, somebody. Okay, okay, here we go. Okay, Cassandra, that, that thing like it kind of got in your spirit there. She said, turn off the lights and light a candle. What's the rest of it? I don't know what the rest of it is. Huh? I wash your body. Is that what it said? Okay, all right. All right. Let's this sermon, Craig, get off track. Here's my point. You can be sitting there and a song comes on and maybe you're not thinking about a certain thing. But then that song begins to get into your mind, gets into your spirit, get down in your heart, and then you start looking. 
Hello? And then now your mood changes based on the song. Don't you tell me that you, can, you better not. You, you have to guard against what comes into your ear gates. Your eye you got to guard against what kind of movies you watch. All you 50 shades of grayers out there. Huh? If you don't know what 50 shades of gray is, that's okay. Amen. You don't need to know. But, but, but whenever we look at something that is sensual, when we, when we look at something that, that, that has graphic violence, we begin to get desensitized to the violence. I mean, I love action movies. How many of y'all like action movies? I, I, I like action movies. I like, I like spy movies, drama movies. You know, shoot them up, bang them up, car chases. All right? But if you watch enough stuff, you, you, you become desensitized to that stuff. So much so that violence doesn't affect you the way it used to. It used to bother us real bad when a school shooting happened. It still does to a certain extent, but we move on in two days now. Because we become what? Desensitized. And that stuff that we allow to go into our ear gates and our eye gates, we have to be very careful. Look at what the text says. We are all human. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Come on, let's read. It says what? Uh, we use God's mighty weapons not worldly weapons, to do what? To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. See, some of us have ways of thinking, ways of reasoning about life that have been perverted and warped by our upbringing, by our family of origin. And as a result, some of that stuff is so strong uh, that, that unless you allow the Word of God to have a preeminent place, that way of thinking, your tradition, your, your habits, the way the Smiths and the Jones and the Johnsons thought about stuff will overwhelm you unless you allow the word of God to work in you. Can I get a witness? He says, we use my, God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasons and to destroy false arguments. You ever, argue with, you ever had a discussion with somebody who, who believe what they believe, but what they believe was untrue. So you can believe something that is untrue. You can believe it so strongly that it's a truth to you, but it's not truth, especially if it doesn't line up with God's word. So what do we do? How, how do we overcome that? We got to allow the word of God. The Bible says, in the KJV says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold, that human reasoning, that false arguments that have been dominating your way of thinking, that's keeping you bound. The word of God has the power to tear that stuff up. That's why it's critically important. We're going to see later on that we have some word time. Everybody say word time. The average Christian does not have word time. And that's why we struggle as a church. Because many of y'all sitting out there right now looking at me with your Bibles open and your iPads open. That's the only time you open it up. I ain't mad at you, but I'm just telling you, growth doesn't happen by opening up once a week. Growth don't happen just by coming on Sunday morning during our corporate worship time. Growth happens in our individual prayer time and our private study time. In our small group discussions where we allow uh, opportunity for us to, to ask questions, to learn, and to glean from each other, and to allow us to sharpen each other. On yesterday, we, we, we as a men's ministry were sharpening each other. We were talking about things that we deal with and we have to overcome as men in the body of Christ. 
He says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's go. It says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Watch this now. We capture what? Their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So what are you saying, Brother Pastor? Well, if we're going to capture rebellious thoughts, that means that a rebellious thought is a thought that goes against what God's will is. Remember we did a series on uh, from the book of Ezekiel? It's time to live again. What did God call his people? Y'all remember? Oh, Lord Jesus. He said they were, they were rebellious. He says, y'all are rebels. Y'all are hard-headed. You're not listening to me. You're rebelling against what I said. So the problem that we have, as I perceive it, in the body of Christ today is too many of us who may have been born again but are not growing because we're not allowing the word of God to do his perfecting work in us. It says we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. So how many of you know that all of us have some rebellious thoughts that need to be brought into captivity? All of us have some ways of thinking that we got to allow the word of God to capture it and, and destroy it so that we can be taught how to do it God's way. Amen. Are y'all with me? So he says, teach them to obey Christ. All right. So we got to capture those thoughts and teach them, teach us to obey Christ. So God keeps us from the evil one. But the way that happens is through, through a process of letting the word of God have that preeminent place. So now, if you, listen, if you're not a Bible study attender or or a small group attender, if you are not a person who spends time in your in, with, with your word, trying to understand what God has for you to know, then, then you, are, you are a prime candidate for the enemy to deceive you through your way of thinking. Because the average Christian doesn't spend any time in the Bible. I know you look good today, guys. You look holy. You even lift your holy hands. You may even speak in tongues, but you ain't spending no time in the word. Let me say it again. Can we be honest? We can't grow, you can't grow without word. None of us can grow without the word of God. For, can you find 1 Peter 2 and 2? I believe it is. 1 Peter 2 and 2. Let's look at it right quick. All right. So, so look, quit fooling yourself. Quit fooling yourself and examine yourself. We can't grow apart from word. God works in us through his word. Watch this. Peter's talking. He says, like newborn babies, you must do what? Crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Let's go to the KJV. Go back to the KJV on, on verse number two. Watch this right quick. All right. So, so we, we see this, that God keeps us from the evil one. Third thing we're talking about is that the Father sanctifies us. It says, as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may do what? Grow thereby. You may grow by the word. So it, without, without, without a desire for the milk of the word, I can't grow spiritually. It's not going to happen by you singing. It's not going to happen by you coming and listening to me every Sunday. That's good. It's a part of it. But that's not the totality of your, of your experience uh, as far as Christian growth is concerned. So how many of y'all really want to grow? Now, see, 
Growing means that I got to die to some stuff that maybe my flesh likes. How many of y'all got some stuff your flesh likes that God says I don't want you to have? Uh, come on, now let's back up. Let's back up. How many of you got some stuff your flesh likes, but God says, I don't need you to have that because it's going to stop you from growing. It's going to stop you from getting close to me. So, guys, we got we to we decide, is, is God more important or what I want more important? I got news for you. Some, some, some believers uh, think that what they want is more important than what God desires for their life. And there's a problem that we can't grow when we're not allowing God to be on the throne. Okay, so the father sanctifies us. Go, go, go back to John 17 right quick. John 17, verse 17 through 19. God's working in me. Not on me, but in me. God's working in me. It's an inward process. Work out your soul's salvation with fear and trembling. Now watch what he says here. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the father sanctifies by truth. What is truth? Huh? What is truth? I didn't make it up right there. Read what it says. Well, thy word is truth. So if God sanctifies us through truth and his word is truth, if I don't get any word, am I getting any truth? No. So if I'm not getting any truth and I'm sanctified by truth, guess what? I'm not being sanctified. How many of y'all grew up in an era where uh, you, you, you were told that certain denominations of what we call sanctified church. How many of y'all remember that? How many of y'all were in that ignorance? We, we were ignorant in thinking that, okay, if they dance, hey, that was the sanctified church. And how many of y'all were scared of the sanctified church? Come on, raise your hand, raise your hand. You, you were... Come on, can we, can we, can we be honest? How many of y'all were scared to go to, quote, the sanctified church? Because they spoke in other tongues. They danced. Maybe they even ran in the church. And so we had this false persona of what it meant to be sanctified. And so we were sort of scared of the word sanctification, not really truly understanding what it meant. Can we teach a little bit? He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Sanctification has nothing to do with denomination. Sanctification has nothing to do with a tambourine uh, or even tongues or you dancing. Because you can dance in church, beat a tambourine, and still not be walking in the sanctification that God wants you to walk in. The word sanctified really literally means to be set apart for God's use and for God's purpose. Jesus here, as he intercedes for us, said that the Father sanctifies by the truth. Amen? And Paul even talks of Christ giving himself up for the church so that we, he can present us as a glorified, sanctified church. Go with me right quick to Ephesians 5. Y'all know this by heart. You should. Ephesians 5, verse number 26. Ephesians 5 and 26 right quick. Glory to God. Everybody say, God is working in me. He says, to make her holy and clean. Back up to verse, the previous verse. 
Verse number 25 says, for husband, he, he, again, what he does here, guys, he uses the marital relationship to give us a tangible picture, something that we can see. He gives, he gives us the marital relationship to show us how Christ relates to his church. He says, for husbands, this means love your wives. How many husbands out there love their wives? Let me see your hands right quick. Come on, raise your hand high. Okay, if you're a husband and not raise your hand, your wife with you, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> Guys, let me tell you something. It, it, this, this, this is really important. It says, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Guys, he gave up his life for her. And I tell you all this countless number of times. God wants to use our marital relationship to show the world and the church how Jesus Christ connects to the body of Christ. And it is a sad commentary, guys, that, that in, in the body of Christ, so many uh, relationships are suffering because we haven't gotten this point that, and I, we all go through stuff, guys. Come on, can, can I get a witness? We all have some challenges in our relationships, right? Show me one married couple that had, 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 had a challenge, and I'll show you a couple that hadn't been really honest. All y'all that married, you've had challenges in your relationship. Let me see your hand right quick. I don't care if you've been married three months. You had some challenges. All right, so, okay, let's go back again. Come on, come on. All married people are here who've had challenges in your relationship. I need to see your hands raised. Okay, all right, good, good. I think all the married, how many of you married here ain't never had a challenge? Okay, good, we're good. So we all are not, nobody's lying right now, right? We're good. I, I want to make sure we ain't had no liars in here because, you know, lying is in vogue nowadays. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read. It says what? To make her holy. Watch this. He gave up his life for the church to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Washed by the cleansing of God's word. Thy word is truth. We are sanctified by what? Truth. So the Father sanctifies us. And again, guys, I've told you before, sanctification is the process by which we are made holy. This begins at conversion. Sanctification is three parts. First is positional. When I become born again, God justifies me and he sanctifies me. He sets me over here and says, you're mine now. I'm going to use you. That's positional sanctification. Everybody say positional. In other words, I'm in Christ now, and now God can use me as his vessel in the earth realm. But positional is not enough. The next phase, which we all are living in now, if we're born again, is what we call progressive sanctification, Brother Vic. That means that progressive means that some of the stuff that I used to get caught up with 10 years ago, I'm not getting caught up with now because I'm progressing in my faith. Some of the stuff that I used to do 15 years ago, I'm not doing it now because God is showing me myself. And every time he shows me myself, amen, I examine myself and I begin to cut some things loose that shouldn't be in my life because the word showed me myself. Because sometimes, guys, again, we, we think we are better than what we really are. 
And we got to look hard at the mirror of the word to let it show us ourselves. So every time God shows me something in my life that shouldn't be, you and I both should be doing a, a, a double take and saying, listen, I got to rid myself of that with the Holy Spirit's help. So I'm positionally sanctified. And now as I live my Christian life, every day that I'm saved, every year that I'm, that I'm born again, I should be looking more like Christ, not less like Christ. Here's a sad commentary. In the church today, we have people regressing rather than progressing. Sanctification should be a progressive process. And then thirdly, we have perfect sanctification, and that's going to happen when we see Jesus face to face. Okay, When we see him face to face, we're going to be just like him, according to what the Bible tells us. When we see him face to face, we're going to be as he is. That means having a glorified body, and we're going to be, amen, perfect. No more sin. Can I get a witness? But sanctification, guys, is accomplished primarily through God's word. And if I don't have any word, then I'm not being progressively made more like Christ because the word changes my thinking. Remember what 2 Timothy 3.16 says? Pop it up right quick. 2 Timothy 3.16. So the Father sanctifies us. That's what Jesus says. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So at some point in time, you and I have to make a conscious decision that the Bible is God's word and we believe it and it knows better than we know. Now, none of us come out and say, well, I know more than what the Bible says. I know more than what God says, but we act like it. Because when God shows us something and says, here's what I want you to do, you say, no, I ain't ready for that yet. No, that's not me. No, you know, but Pastor, I understand, you know, people do this and that, but, you know, I got my own thing going and I don't need you to bother me. Guys, the word has to become the predominant influence in our life. And if it doesn't happen, we won't experience that progressive sanctification that God talks about. Look at what the text says. All scripture, can we read? Let's read. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That's what the word does. Okay, so sanctification. The father does what? Sanctifies us. What does he do? He said, how does he do that? By his word, by his word. So that means that, you know, uh, you and I have to spend some time in God's word. You say, well, Pastor, I don't don't understand. I just can't understand the Bible. You know what? If you ask for the Holy Spirit to help you, he will. And there are tools and and, and Bible study helps that that are available to help you understand the word. And then a big part of it is sometimes it's a small group study where we get together and we can ask questions about the word. It's not kosher on Sunday morning to stop and ask, but we have small group time where we can ask questions about the word to help us to grow, okay? So the Father sanctifies us. The, the, The fourth thing that I wanted you to put down uh, is Jesus sends us. Everybody say he sends us. Look at, go back to John 17. Go back to John 17. That word corrects us. It helps us to know what to do what's right, okay? So if I don't have any word, I, I can be doing stuff that I'm thinking I'm right, but I'm wrong. John 17, verse 18. Jesus sends us. Let's look at this right quick. He sends us. Glory to God. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Who's praying here? Who's he praying to? God the Father. And who's he interceding on behalf of? The the disciples. All those 
who were following him at that time and everybody who believed on Christ Jesus as a result of their testimony. He says, Jesus sends us. Amen. He sends us. John 17, 18 lets us know that we were to have the same relationship with Christ that he had with his father, the same trust, the same love, and the same dependency. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Look at the next verse. Let's read. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy. What? By, there it is again. By your what? What is his truth? The word of God. Thank you. Y'all getting that, right? So he says here, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by what? Your truth. What is his truth? So what if you don't have any word? You don't have any truth. If you don't have any truth, guess what? You're not being sanctified. All right, now, I mean, it's clear as day, right? So if you're sitting there right now, come on, you're sitting there right now and you know that you never really take up any time to get into God's word and to study and see what it says about yourself. You're not being sanctified. Because the Father sanctifies us by his truth. And his word is what? Truth. So you can sit here and, 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 and guys, listen, all of us have tried at some point in time to think of fool ourselves into thinking, well, if I just pray hard, everything going to be all right. No, it ain't. Because God requires more of us. Yes, we ought to pray, but it's more than just praying hard. How many know you can pray hard and pray wrong? Because you ain't got no word to tell you how to pray. And when you pray amiss, the Bible says you don't get what you ask because you ask for the wrong reason, ask for the wrong thing. How are you going to pray for somebody else's husband? Lord, you know we're supposed to be together. No, you're not. Why are you praying for the other person's job? They need a job too. Lord, let something happen to them so I can get in that position. Lord, let them lead. They got a family to feed too. Listen, God will take care of you when you learn how to go to him, amen, according to the word of God and pray in faith. He will do it for you. So stop praying amiss. Now, again, I was being a little facetious in saying that, but you get to drip my drift. Sometimes we're praying for stuff that's not in line with God's will. And if it's not in line with God's will, he will not answer it. Maybe that's why you're not getting any prayers answered because you're praying stuff. It's not in line with God's will. And you don't know it's not in line with God's will because what? You don't have any truth. What is truth? The word. Okay? All right. So, again, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Jesus sends us. He sends us out into the world. We are his hand and his feet. We go in his authority, his power, his strength, on his terms, and with his protection. That's the good part about it. God is protecting us. We have his authority when we are in line with his word. When I'm not in line with his word, I don't have his authority. If, if you go and do something based on what the pastor told you to do and in line with church doctrine, then you're operating under authority, first of all, God, and you're operating under authority of the church that you are a member of. So, but, but we got to go according to the authority that we're operating under. And that means that God's word has to govern and control. So Jesus Christ sends us. The next thing I want you to write down and it's in your outline, Christ unites us. 
He unites us. Go to 20 and 21. He unites us. Unity is critically important to God's work in the earth realm. Christ unites us. Christ intercedes for union with God. Look at what he says here. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That means he's praying for you and I. Jesus says right here, I'm not just praying only for these disciples, but I'm also praying for all who will ever believe in me through their message. 21, let's read. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Christ unites us. Look at what uh, the text says in Matthew, pop up Matthew 12 and 25 right quick. Just giving you Bible scripture here. Unity is something really important. You know, a house divided against itself can't stand. No church that's divided can stand. Your individual house can't stand when y'all divided. When you don't have the same goal, same purpose. Christ wants, he, he unites us. We can come together on the common ground of Jesus Christ and his word. But there are many households that are divided because one wants to do the word and the other one don't. We got some people in church who wants to, who want to, go, who want to stick to purpose where we're going to build faith and connect families and we're going to become disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God and have kingdom impact in our home, school, jobs, and the community at large. We'll reflect our faith and lead others into a personal relationship with the Savior Jesus Christ. And some are sitting and saying, Pastor, I don't want to be a disciple. I just want to come to church Leave and go home and don't, don't ask me to do anything. Don't ask me to love my mother-in-law because I don't like her. You know, we have some Christians who don't like their mother-in-laws. We have, we have Christians who don't like other Christians. I can't stand her. Why you can't stand her? The Bible says you are to love them. I'm just giving you a word. So, 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 so word says we are to love. Everybody say love. My neighbor as myself. So that's Bible. So that's truth. All right, all right gotcha, 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 watch Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, watch this. Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family, come on now. How many families we have that are splintered? A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Go to the KJV on this one. I like the way it says it. Matthew 12, 25. Watch what Jesus says here now. Because many, many of you sitting up out there right now know that there are some believers, there are some family members who, who, who you guys aren't getting along. And, and, and Jesus says, he says, Jesus knew their thoughts because they were trying to say, listen, uh, you are of the devil. You, are, you cast out these demons in Jesus' name. He said, that don't even make sense. Because it says, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So if there's division in the church, the church can't do the work. If there's division in your house, your house won't work right. Christ comes to do what? To unite us. He comes 
to unite us. Go to Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Christ unites us. That's why we got to stay on the, on the common ground. Guys, listen, here's what I learned in life. I don't get swayed by every new win and doctrine that comes along. I stick with Christ, Jesus, him crucified, buried, resurrected as the way to get to God. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit. I speak in other tongues and I ain't evil, I ain't of the devil. I believe in everything that God has for me, I want to take advantage of. And I'm going to stick with Christ. I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not moving off there. I'm going to stay on that. Amen. Because that's what saved me. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, what? My father in heaven will do what? He'll do it for you. If look at the next verse, it says what? Uh, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. When we, when we agree, amen, and, and we are in, in unity, Christ can do some powerful things through our church and through our individual lives. So Christ unites us. Last, uh, next, Jesus, not only does Christ unite us, but lastly, Jesus gives us his glory. Everybody say, Jesus gives me his glory. Go to John 17, 22, and we're going to finish up here. The glory that Jesus Christ has, he says, I give it to you. I give it to you. He says, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. This is important. That they may be what? One as we are one. Who is we? God the Father and God the Son. Specifically. And we know the Holy Spirit is here too. But again, this is Jesus praying to the Father. He says, I, he says, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one just like we are one. So what Jesus says here, check this out. If, if God the Father and God the Son are one, a part of triune God, what he says is, he says, I, I want them to be one just like we are one. So Connor, we, are, we, we should be one in the body of Christ. There should be no division in this house. There should be no division in the household of people who are born again. He says, I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. And when we are one, there's so much more we can accomplish, guys. There's so much more you can do and accomplish in your own house when you're together, united on the common ground of Jesus Christ and his purpose and plan for your life. So, guys, God wants to work in us. This stuff don't happen just by coming to church. I'm going to tell you right now, you can come to church for the next 40 years and still be all messed up. Because you're looking for God to work on you from the outside. And God says, I need to start on the inside. Make sure you're born again first. And then allow my word to get in your head and down in your heart so that my word can begin to do its perfecting work in you. But, oh, I forgot. You don't like the Bible. Oh, I forgot. You don't have time study the word. But yet you got time to watch all these uh, uh, reality shows. Come on. You got time to watch Dancing with the Stars and Voice and uh, Empire. Housewives of Atlanta. Yeah. The Dallas Cowboys. 
What time they play today? What time, Bobby? 12. 12. See, some of y'all saying, okay, Pastor. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how we can sit up and watch a three-hour ball game? And get mad if somebody walk in front of the TV. Come on now. Isn't it amazing how we can go to a movie and sit there for two and a half hours and don't move? And some of y'all watching your watch because y'all thought I'm preach too long today. <laughs> Guys, th th there is something bad wrong in the church today. Because what, what, here's what's happening, and I'm, I'm getting closer. We are pursuing worldly pursuits and we lay down the spiritual pursuits. That's why you can, that's why you can, you can watch all that crazy stuff and that stuff messing your mind up too. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch TV, guys. You didn't hear me say that, did you? But what I'm saying is, it is wrong when you pretend like you don't have time to get with God, but you got time to watch that stuff. I never said it's wrong for, for a youth group or whatever to, to, to do a little fundraiser or, or, or raise uh, dollars for whatever, a trip or whatever. But it is wrong when you, don't, you won't tie and try to sell a place to finance the church. That's wrong. Because God gave us a way to do it. That's why we, we don't do that here because we, we support the work of ministry through tithes, offering, and sacrificial giving. And now that we, we do it God's way, God blesses. It is wrong when you place anything or anybody before God, including your spouse, your children. Some of y'all make your children your God. You prayed for the child, God gave the child, now you let the child be the God instead of God being your God. Well, you know, little Junior said he don't want to come. <laughs> what did God tell you? Train up a child. Training involves making somebody do something they don't want to do sometimes because you know in the end it's going to benefit them. So what's become your God? God wants to work in you. But what's become, has sports become your God? Men. God wants to work in us. And guys, this is the last Sunday of the year 2018. And you look back over 2018 and ask yourself this question. Have I really given God my very best? I mean, really? You know what I'm Really? I mean, you're you going to look, look up at me and tell me that you gave God your best. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest. I could have did better. I could have did better. So the question is, when we flow into this new year, what's our mindset going to be? Are we going to let God work in us? Or are we going to keep trying to work on ourselves? If that, was, if that was a successful plan, you know, you would have been doing a little bit better than what you're doing now. Let God work in you. That's what he wants you to do. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.